You're listening to the Sunday Soul Podcast with me, Aaron Pryor, and Becky Hayden. Sunday Soul is part of youmindsetcoaching.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sunday Soul. We're back once again. I, my name is Aaron and of course with me as ever is Becky. Becky, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yes, very good, thank you. Um, we should explain, Becky's currently away. Um, so if we do hear some strange cars or anything in the background, it's because you're we'll talking see. to me from your hotel um, very early in the morning. So we appreciate that. Um, you are away at the moment um, and celebrating I understand because you've just completed um, another milestone uh, as part of your training you've become an NLP master I have I am a master yes. <laughs> like Yoda you're the Yoda of NLP <laughs> That's what's happened there. Um, so we're going to talk about NLP today. That's what we're going to focus on. So I guess, first of all, we have to start with what is it, what does it mean, and how does it work? So NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. Um, and I'm just going to break it down into three sections because this is the way that I like to think about it. So the neuro part of it is about the the, the neuros that we have in our brain that create the same um, thought patterns or create the same uh, behaviors or create the same feelings. So, for instance, if you have a certain, um, maybe a, a certain limiting belief or a certain negative thought that you play through your head um when something happens that triggers the thought and that triggers the sensations in the body the same as if you were really excited you have that thought and then it triggers um something into the body and then you kind of react in that way so that's kind of the new bit of it and um, the linguistics is the language that we use so with nlp we really listen to people's language you know are they using can't won't i don't are they using all the negative patterns um are they you know using positive patterns are they um focusing on the wrong thing are they focusing on the right thing so we can tell a lot from people's language um it also it almost felt like i was studying shakespeare again so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mind blow um with the, with the language there's lots of different um types that we look at and it's kind of it's all comes through practice a little bit but yeah so that's the language part of it and then the programming part of it is is actually we we that we then do the reprogramming of certain situations and maybe someone's been through trauma in the past and we can do a lot of work to take the um anchors away which i'll talk about in a moment um and we can take a lot of the programming that we've already got in our mind and reprogram it somewhere else so on a really 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 surface level that is NLP <laughs> wow a little whistle stop tour of um your training yeah. um, so just to sort of refresh on that um just to make sure that I've understood correctly as well neuro-linguistic programming the neuro part of it is quite literally firing our neurons in our brain when we have certain thought processes creating yeah. those links um within our brain and allowing those to establish themselves the ling um linguistic part is about the way in which we verbalize that i guess or or you know create yeah. those conversations whether they're internal external etc and the programming is about both how we have programmed those and how we go about reprogramming Reprogram. to make a difference yeah. going forward 
spot. Hurrah. You are now a master. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm, I'm Obi-Wan <laughs> to your Yoda for any Star Wars geeks out there. Um, so so now we, we have a basic understanding of what it is. What is it for? What's What's the point of having done the training? What's it giving to you? Um, in terms of, I guess, strengthening the way that you're going to work with your clients, but also for you personally, what was the motivation? What's it given you? And what do you see it being useful for? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's helped myself, like me as a person, so much um, throughout. So I did nine days back-to-back training, which was I'd never done before. Um, Nine to five of learning a new subject for nine days was pretty intense. Um, But what I actually took away from it was incredible and something that will change how I view things and how I look at things probably for the rest of my life, I believe. Um, So NLP has been something that I've always been interested in since probably I was about 15 because my mom always used to talk about it and how good it was. And then when I started to look into it this year, it was just incredible how quick that you can get changes from the NLP so that's one of the massive takeaways that I've had is that you really can um you really can make fast changes in someone's life um and whether that be you know there's thousands of techniques that you can use in NLP which I'm sure we'll cover a few of them but we did one um which is a little bit um woo-woo like we like to call it, um, that's called parts into parts integration, where basically you've got two things that you really want. You kind of you want this, but you want that, but you don't want this and you don't want that. So it's kind of like on two sides of your body, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and with the parts integration, we we put those back together because they were once kind of a whole part, we call them. Um, and you know, they, they belong in the same world but we've split them some way from an event that's happened or um or maybe a belief that we've took on um and basically i had that done to me in the training by by the trainer um who was absolutely phenomenal and um i worked on my people pleaser versus not giving stuff what people think of me um and for those who know me know that I am the biggest people pleaser around sometimes to the detriment of myself um and it was about time that I kind of merged those two together so yes I still have that people pleaser within me but I also have the feelings of actually I don't care what people think because you know I should be able to do the things that I want to do without worrying about that um so kind of working through my own um stuff as we call it i won't swear um really helped me for for nlp but then also what i can do with clients as well and it's nlp is a lot about taking yourself out of the problem so i think a lot of the time we spend living in the problem and the problem is ours and you know we we do the anxiety we do the stress we do this we do we do all those feelings um, and we can't decipher where the problem kind of lies because we're in it um and nlp really kind of blows that problem away um sometimes so quick it's just kind of a reframing the problem for you and the problem's gone um other times we really have to kind of dig deep to find the root of the problem and that's 
probably in your identity as a person, which obviously your kind of identity you want to hold on to. So yeah, it's those couple of things were an amazing takeaway for me. Amazing. Um, it sounds like you really, really did cram in a lot in those nine days. But in terms of <laughs> the, the work that you did for yourself, um, <clears throat> because I think sometimes it's really easy to you know pass on information to other people or to tell people about how they should or shouldn't do things or to practice this stuff that you've learned with other people but actually you know reflecting on that sometimes is also equally as powerful so if you think about that experience that you had particularly around the people pleasing stuff that you were talking about how do you feel that it's made in a difference in your life I mean you talked about you know recognizing when that's happened and and you know perhaps not being the you know not being what you've done or not doing what you've done before which is you know going yeah. out of your way to to be the people pleaser that you were talking about how di how did you come to that decision talk me through sort of the the process of that of that because you I don't suppose that you literally sat in a room and somebody said you need to stop doing that and you went okay and then you were done <laughs> it's not as easy as that it's not and you know you're not putting a band-aid on, right. on a cup for example and it's so it's not a quick fix in that sense so what was the process for that and and how do you feel like it it affected you in that sense how did it really change your outlook and do you think that's something that you will carry forward with longevity or is this something that in a few weeks time perhaps you're going to have to revisit or you might find yourself slipping back to yeah sure that's a brilliant question um so we were in training and we were practicing the parts integration and the trainer said right put your hand up if you think that you've got one and I didn't put my hand up at the start it was kind of listening to what other people's um situations are and kind of what they had to say um and she was going through them she was like mm, no I don't think that's quite right but hold it there we'll come back to you and then I my hand went up and I was like oh okay my hand's up now yeah. um and my exam like my feeling was that and this is exactly what I said in the training is that I want to sit on the sofa and eat the Jaffa cakes but I also know that I should be at the gym so that was that was how base like that's how airy fairy my situation was when I first said to the trainer, I want to eat the jazz cakes, but I also want to be at the gym. And the way that she, I mean, she's been doing NLP for however many years so she's incredible at it so she solved she got down to the people pleaser quite quickly and sometimes it doesn't happen like that but um she she basically said you know why why is not eating the jaffa cakes a problem for you and i and then by kind of putting it in that sense and that's probably one of my favorite questions when i'm working with a client is how is that a problem for you because a lot of the time it's probably not a problem for you. You think it's a problem for everyone else. Therefore, you must change the way you go about things because you're worrying about someone else. And that's where she kind of picked up the whole people pleaser thing. Um, so, um, so I think a lot of that I picked up from the performing arts industry. And someone said to me earlier in the year that, you know, the the performing arts industry you get your worth kind of chosen for you because you get the job or you don't get the job and that's people determining your worth for things um and I think I never really left that behind I carried that with me into kind of how I live now and she picks that up and, and was like you know you're a people pleaser aren't you and I was like oh god here we go <laughs> um so, so the tears just, came sorry just to interrupt before we talk about your tears um 
<laughs> so basically kind of what you're acknowledging there my my sort of understanding of it is that because of the way in which the performance industry works which is very sort of you know you're you're judged all the time everybody knows that you go to auditions you don't get the job somebody doesn't think you're worth it or etc cetera, etc cetera. that bleeds into your real life and so you've you've kind of carried on that attitude into your sort of post-performance life and, and your everyday life yeah. so in terms of that people pleasing it's not necessarily that you that you're trying to do the right thing by everybody all of the time it's actually that you're trying to be the person that you think they want you to be is that kind of what yeah. you're saying so it's that more about yeah so it's it's not necessarily thinking okay Aaron wants me to do this podcast today so I'm going to do it because it's what he wants it's it's I need to make this podcast really really good because that's what Aaron wants me to be yeah yeah and that's which exactly isn't true right. by and the way because yeah. <laughs> they're great anyway so <laughs> your NLP yeah you were talking about that you said you know this is a thing for me and your NLP practitioner or, or the, the person who was doing the training instantly said oh you're a people pleaser Cue the um, waterworks. Cue the waterworks. So yeah, obviously the, the tears started streaming, as um, many of you know, I cry at mostly everything, um, <laughs> which is a good thing. Um, yeah, so, you know, down they came and she was like, right, are you ready to, is your subconscious mind, which we always ask in NLP, is your subconscious mind ready to solve this problem now and kind of move forward with maybe new thoughts or new feelings? And I was like, hell yes. <laughs> um, so as I got in in the class um, and basically parts integration is um, something that you kind of need to see um, so I won't try and explain it too much um, but you it, 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 we call it chunking up and that means that you basically take what the problem is and you keep asking what's the purpose of that what's the purpose of that what for what intention what's the purpose of that and you get to kind of a we call it like the higher self the higher source so you know some people chunk up to world peace and you know world love which obviously i I'm not, i didn't go there but um I, I i almost found that you know my people pleaser was that i could love love and and cherish myself as much as I try and love and cherish everyone else and that was the massive takeaway that I got and there was a complete color shift in my body like I'm still I've got goosebumps like lit, talking about it now kind of reliving that experience it was it was quite crazy and it sounds a bit like oh what like you just found that out but actually that's something that I had never ever thought about before is that I could love myself as much as I love everyone else and try and I could please kind of myself as much as I try and please everyone else so yeah that was a massive takeaway for me yeah and I guess you know some people might be listening and go well yeah um yeah. but actually <laughs> yeah. that's that, that's your version of that of, of, of an issue that you've got and and yeah of, of your own view of yourself and and of other people and and what they want from you and what you think you need from them etc etc you know um to to provide another slant on that I have a, a a sort of slightly different people pleasing I think in the sense that a lot of mine stems from wanting to be part of the group I think and not wanting you know I get terrible FOMO um or for yeah. those who aren't down with the kids like me fear of missing out and um you know I get that I get terrible and we've talked about this before sort of offline you and I that you know you have that thing where you know you don't want to be somewhere actually 
but it's the only place that you want to be because you know people are there and you're worried that they're going to be able to talk about something that happened and you're not because you weren't there. Yeah. You know, and, and so you genuinely have this real sense of feeling that you're missing something. Uh, you know, even when somebody then comes to you the next day and goes, oh God, that party was awful. You still wish you were there because then you could complain that it was awful. <laughs> the same as everybody else, which is ridiculous, really. But And I think that's kind of where mine comes from. And I had an experience um, where... You know, I was spending a lot of time on my own um, and a lot of time in reflection and, and various things that I've talked about my sort of reasonably recent life history before. So I'm not going to go down into that again. But, you know, I realized that actually I need to be alone just as much as I need to be with other people. And, you know, yeah. I don't I, I've since started sort of describing myself when anybody asks me about sort of, sort of things like this, I sort of say, well, you know, actually, I'm a bit of an introverted extrovert. You know, nobody that knows me would ever call me an introvert because, you know, I'm loud. I like to be the centre of attention. I make inappropriate jokes. I do all of those things, um, you know, and I'm six foot four. So it's quite hard to hide. Um, but actually, there are times when I love to be on my own or certainly with a very, very, very small group of people, you know. And now my favourite time is when I'm, you know, either in the house on my own or with my partner and, and we just have that alone time and I don't it's taken away some of that some of that FOMO and actually there's a thing where I go I can get just I can derive just as much pleasure from this as I do from that and in a sense it's a bit of it's a similar journey to what what you've gone on I guess in that you have to realize that that's the way your brain is working in order to do yeah. the reprogramming bit right yeah 100% and you picked up a really good um, point when you just started talking there is that, you know, people might listen to, to my problem and think, oh, how is that a problem? And this is yeah. one of the things that was a massive takeaway from me is that we've all got our own map of the world. Like we all live from our own map. Um, and I think a lot of people will never know what the other person is thinking or feeling or how things affect them truly deeply down, uh, deep down, truly deep down. <laughs> um, <laughs> so like we have to be kind of thankful that we've all got our own view and our own map of the world. And that map of the world can be um, lived from different beliefs that we've took on. Um, so our imprint, when things really imprint in our mind, is from the ages of zero to seven. So that's when we take on most of our beliefs because we are being brought up with parents who either give us the beliefs or we kind of take them on because they believe them. Um, a lot of things happen in, in school and, you know, we take on all these these bunch this bunch of beliefs and that's kind of where where we live from our map and we've talked about the RAS system a hell of a lot um, yeah. so I'm sure those who are big fans of the podcast um, they will have already listened to it but if not go back and listen um, because it's a very good one um, but that RAS system again is from that map of, from your map of the world so some pe some people you might be walking around thinking well how is that a problem for them because it's not a problem for me but that's because it's my map of the world and that's their map of the world and we have to respect that and I think a lot of the time that can, you know, that can cause friends to fall out. It can cause relationships to finish, you know, a lot of the time because we don't have appreciation for other people's maps. And I know, obviously, circumstances are different. Um, but, you know, everyone's doing the best they can with the resources that they have right now. Um, so that was a massive takeaway for me and kind of something that I think about a lot when I'm reacting to things as well. And I think actually that's something that 
perhaps we you know generally um sometimes we're not very good at that as humans are we you know we have our belief systems we have our our points of view and sometimes it's not very easy to open up and see that because of something that's happened to us to the other person to whoever in our past or because of a way that we were treated or something that we've learned or something that we've been told that person might have a different way of thinking now I guess it's really obvious when you look at things like you know Uh, political leaning for example or religion even you know but actually down to those really small kind of personal core values you know we're shaped by all of our experiences good and bad and you mentioned about being imprinted from sort of naught to seven that's when we do most of our kind of real learning Learning. in that sense but you know throughout our lives we have experiences you know I've had experiences in the last two years as have you that have fundamentally changed parts of who I am whether or not that's for the better is for somebody else to probably decide and I'm sure they have done but (laughs) you know um the good thing is is I'm not as bothered as I used to be about what they think anymore but um it's it's, um you know we we don't necessarily do that anymore do we and I think you know as as and I don't want to make this a a political sort of discussion and and, you know I, I sometimes bring it around to politics because I think at the moment particularly in Britain um, we are so polarised with our politics. You know, we mention yeah. the word Brexit and you get these kind of raging almost opinions. Yeah. I mean, going into the Twitter wormhole on Brexit is both massively entertaining and really quite scary because you get these two very extreme point of view and uh, points of view. And then there's a few people in the middle sort of trying to keep stock and, and try to work out for themselves, you know, as to whether Brexit is going to be a huge disaster or a massive success and you know I think we are we've got to the point now where actually that that debate the conversation about it has gone because all we're doing now is standing on a rooftop and shouting what we think we're not listening to somebody else we're not giving somebody the opportunity to say actually you know what from my perspective this is what I believe because we're so entrenched in that thing of being right um about our yeah. point of view that yeah. you know that and, and I'm probably guilty about it as well if anybody's you know has ever looked at my twitter feed they'll probably be thinking well <laughs> hang on a minute um and and I'm you know I will hold my hands up and say absolutely I you know I've got to that point where I'm you know I will reply to certain uh, members of parliament's tweets when they when they tweet what I believe is nonsense about how wonderful brexit's going to be because that you know we've become that society almost in and yeah. it's quite worrying really in in you know what is often billed as the world's oldest democracy etc 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 or one of the world's oldest democracies and you know i think just in life in general we um we can do more of that right we can we can listen to more people we can take on their opinions and you know i find that's what i find so fascinating as well about you know greta thunberg and and that movement that she's kind of kick-started is that actually it's giving voice to young people and it's saying to young people you know what actually your opinion is valid you know you do you are able to use your brain you're able to form an opinion and you're absolutely it's your right and your you know you should be standing up for those things that you believe so passionately in because this is your earth the same as it is mine the same as it is my granddad's and you know he is 93 94 actually now and he's not going to be around long enough to see the the changes for some of the things that these kids want to do I'm not going to be around to see some of those changes either but it's them and their children that will live through either the global warming chaos that that will ensue or the, the ways in which we try to save the planet and I think you know, if we don't allow ourselves to understand where those kids are coming from, which, you know, if you look at, again, if you look on Twitter, there's an awful lot of um, normally 
if I'm truly honest, middle-aged men um, don't seem <laughs> to be able to to listen to their point of view and to accept that these 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 children are valid with what they say. Yeah. And I think you know whether or, whether it's looking at an experience somebody's had, a point of view that somebody's had, or or an opinion that they're sharing. You know, we have to understand that that comes from a huge back catalogue of everything else that they've been through in their lives, and you know what's right for me or what's what's my truth isn't necessarily your truth or anybody listening to this you know the things yeah. that i experienced that the the worries and fears and hopes and aspirations and and the successes and the failures that i have will probably mean nothing to you or anybody else but actually they are fundamental to me as are yours to you and i think that's a really important thing to acknowledge yeah isn't it? Yeah, that was a that was a massive thing that I took away, and that you know having that time to really reflect before you speak or reflect before you say something that could you know could end up in an argument or could end up in a way that you didn't mean to because you're seeing it from your map of the world. And um, the other thing that really made me laugh was that um, she she was on about the rules that we kind of wear on our chest. So we all have a set of rules, and um, which are kind of a little bit like our map of the world and we wear those rules on our chest um, and we walk around and if anyone breaks those rules we get really angry however we don't let anyone see the rules that we've got on our chest so we get angry yes, for no yeah. reason because people don't know the rules you know and, and this makes me laugh you know for instance in a relationship like if, if Dan hasn't done the washing up then I'm like oh for god's sake and then in my head I'm like but have I asked him to do the washing up no, yeah, I haven't, absolutely. so I can't get, you know, <laughs> yeah. just really, yeah. really stupid stuff like that. Um, because it's interesting, isn't it? Quite funny. No, absolutely. But we don't do that with children. You know, with a child, yeah. like with my children, for example, if I'm saying, no, you can't do that, or that's not right, or you shouldn't do something like that, or whatever, you know, I try not to do the whole shouty thing without giving them a reason why you might end up in that situation. I mean, I try not to shout anyway, because it's not right. But, yeah. you know, th there are better ways to explain to children, you know, the rights and wrongs and, and good and bad and all of those sorts of things. But, you know, I would never tell my child or either of my children that they've done something wrong. Um, again, I try not to use the words naughty and all that sort of thing, because I, I they don't align with the way I sort of parent but you know I, I try not to tell them that they've done something wrong or something isn't you know isn't the way they should have done it without explaining why and how why? you know yeah. that situation is but we do that to each other all the time yeah. which is exactly yeah. what you've said you know you ask Dan to do the washing up if he doesn't do it then you've got a right to kind of say well hang on a minute mate you know <laughs> I cooked yeah. the dinner I asked you to do the washing yeah. up get it done if you don't actually <laughs> ask him to do that you've got it's almost like that thing isn't it where um you you know, you wake up next to your partner and you're either um, really surprised because they're irrationally angry at you, even though you've just woken up, or you wake up and you're irrationally angry at them because one or other of you has had a dream that one or that the other person <laughs> cheated, you know? And so you wake up and you're like, I hate you. And the other person's like, say what, what? now? Like, I've just been sleeping. Like, I might have snored a bit. You know, I you know I might have knocked you in the night. Really sorry about that, but this is quite an extreme reaction, and I guess it's exactly that, isn't it? It's it's you're applying your context to somebody who has no idea what your context is. Yeah, yeah, and that's so, and it, it, that's been a massive eye opener for me. Um, and I think I don't know. It's strange when I when I was sitting there, I almost felt like I want everyone else to experience 
kind of how NLP can help just in normal life as well. You know, obviously it helps a team in my coaching business but actually just how people behave um is a massive part of it and i uh, almost wanted to be like come on everyone come and do an lp yeah. it'll change your like life live kind of thing, but, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I guess just one more question from me um in terms of your business you, you've talked about you know linking this in with your business that's why you did the course in the first place how do you think that you will apply this to your coaching business? Because this works in tandem with a lot of the other stuff that you do. And, you know, in terms of life coaching, you know, quite often it's, it's you know, we, we always talk about coaching as, as guiding somebody to or helping somebody to find an answer, helping somebody to make a decision. So, for example, with business coaching, yeah. um, it would be, you know, if I want to make a profit, um how i don't know how to do that the business coach doesn't say well you go to this this supplier and then you sell it that and then you then you you know you make x amount of profit on that product what they will say is how do you think you can get there how you know what do you think you would need to do to set your profit margin a bit higher on that product and all that sort of thing until you get to the point where you go oh yeah i could buy it from a cheaper supplier um and I guess life coaching is very similar in that sense. You know, you're you're guiding rather than coaching, which is when you sort of no, you're coaching rather than um, mentoring. And I, I guess the you know the the definition there is mentoring. You sort of drag somebody along with you, and, and coaching you're behind them, supporting them along the way. Um, yeah. Although that's not necessarily true. So, ha but how do you feel like this will help you in that? How you know how are you going to apply it to your clients? Yeah, that's, that's a brilliant question. And, and it's something that I've kind of already put into practice. Um, a lot of it is, is the language. So it's the language that I hear people say. So I already know that when I speak to someone, maybe perhaps on a clarity call, which I do before they kind of, they sign up, um, so I can get to know about them a little bit more. And the language that they use on that call, I can really kind of detect what the problem where the problem lies um which is one of the things we we learned through the week and then also just being able to really quick have really quick wins for them and it might not be um you know the 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 main problem but very quick wins in the way that we can change our thought pattern we can um i i called it i said it earlier in the call about anchoring so we can anch anchor a feeling onto our body you know we all have anchors that when you have you know we we have anchors for smell so you smell a certain smell and it takes you back to a certain time or you hear a piece of music and it takes you back or it gives you a memory we can yeah. actually anchor feelings onto our body you know onto our hand or onto our shoulder that we can use in day-to-day -day life you know you might want to feel calm in situations and we can anchor that you know that feeling so that's something that i i bring in with it and it's kind of those small quick wins and also massive wins as well you know blowing the problem out of blowing the problem out of their mind to be like oh you know sometimes some people that I've worked with we, we start working on um I say problem I don't really like to call it the problem but yeah just for the sake of this conversation but we'll start working with the problem and by the end of the the session they're like what did I even come in here for? <laughs> like, because <laughs> yeah. it's just such not a problem to them at all. Like it happened to one of my clients a while back and uh, we got to the, the fourth session and I said, right, how do you, you know, reflecting back now, how do you think differently? And, and he was like, honestly, Beck, he was like, I cannot even remember how I felt at the start. So it, it's quite nice because you blow the problem out of, um, you know, out, out of their 
world basically and and kind of re revisit and rethink ways in which to place new thoughts there with a the subconscious mind and that's where the hypnosis comes in and i always pair it with a hypnosis um, sure. even if it's a mini hypnosis at the end of the the session so i think the the, the kind of blowing the problem out out of the problem um and kind of rewiring those thoughts you know we i wrote a post about um we all have certain strategies for things you know we have a strategy for getting in the car we have a strategy for waking up we have a strategy for i put opening a bottle of prosecco but every time i'll always open my prosecco the exact same way that i do every time um and some strategies work for us and some strategies don't you know a lot of people struggle to lose weight because they're using the wrong strategy to lose weight and that's some of the things that we that i look into and and kind of reprogramming that strategy which we do in many different ways depending on the client um so yeah those are a few things it's probably about 10 percent of of what i can do (laughs) sure no, that's great. And then I guess the the $64,000 question, which is, um, you know, if people want to try to engage with some of this stuff outside of a guided session, you know, if people aren't sure whether they need to come to you or, uh, you know, another, you know, life um, or, or mindset coach, or if people want to just sort of see if they can address an issue you know using some nlp skills is there something that we can do kind of in our own time at home just to kind of start that rewiring process yeah absolutely so one quick win um that i'll quickly talk about so when we talked about the the neuros in our brain um so I said, you know, every time we we play that pathway in our brain. So, for instance, you have a negative thought comes in and it'll go down the same pathway. And I like to think of that as the, you know, you're walking down a wood. If you walk down the the same path every time in that wood, that path is going to be really, really strong. You know, it's going to be very visible, very easy to walk down because you've walked down it exactly the same way for however many years. And um, one quick win that people can try is is by putting a stop sign in the middle of that path and taking a new route. Um, the way we do this, and I like to call it the hairband technique, um, and I keep saying it's the bubble technique, but they don't call it a bubble here in Australia, so everyone looks at me funny. Um, so put an elastic band or a hairband around your wrist. And when the negative thought comes in, the negative thought will start to play the same pathway as always. So that negative thought might take you into a downward spiral of feeling crap for the rest of the day. But this time we're going to change the route. So we're going to put our stop sign up or whatever sign you want to put up. You know, it can have swear words on if you want. Um, but when the thought comes in, snap the elastic band or snap the bubble on your wrist and re-change the thought. So if it's a really negative thought, we can we have to change it with a really positive thought. And that has to be of more power than the negative thought. So our negative thoughts are really, really powerful, obviously. I know many people know it's easier to feel down and miserable than than to to kind of feel upbeat and happy. Um, which I'll say, you know, I'll be the first person to say that as well. You know, it's easier sure. to, to to you know, depending on the situation. Um, so with a negative thought, we have to really replace it with two or three positives to really kind of 
smush the negative. So we're rewiring the path and that, that positive thought t- takes us down a new path. So negative thought comes in, we snap the hairband, we change the thought. So it could be a flip of the thought, like it could be the opposite, or it could be something just really positive or a drive to kind of get you stop of thinking of the negative and off you go. And if you can do that for about two or three weeks with using the bobble, what you'll find is subconsciously the mind will start doing it without you having to snap the bobble. So the negative thought will come in and then the brain now knows because the brain learns best with repetition, repetition, repetition. Um, the thought comes in, we change it with the positive and then you can cut and then you, you don't even have to snap the bobble. It's done it before you've even thought about it. So that's kind of one of my quick wins if you want to have a go at that. Fantastic. So um, if we see lots of people walking around um, either the UK or, or uh, parts of Australia with, with elastic bands or hair bands on their arms, then you'll know what it is and you can all give each other a, a knowing nod. The cult. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, thank you very much for that, Becky. If you are interested in learning a little bit more about NLP, um, there's some more information on Becky's site, or there will be as well. Um, she's going to do some updates on her training as part of the blog posts on there. Um, if you feel like you want to explore some of this stuff a little bit deeper of course you can contact becky um, and uh, access her services through youmindsetcoaching.com of course there's also the social media channels as ever they're there um, so you can search you mindset coaching on facebook you can um, find you mindset on instagram and on twitter as well and we will be back uh, another time with another episode looking either at some of the things that becky's been exploring with her clients or some of the blog posts that she's producing um, and we will speak to you soon becky thank you so much thank you take care